COVID-19 safety measures were strictly adhered to at all times during this production. Welcome to our new podcast, The Anku. I'm Yanling. And I'm Sean. And usually on our usual freelance creative exchange podcast, we talk to professionals about how to supercharge their freelance careers. But after speaking to so many people, we were thinking, how did they get so cool? I mean, in order to achieve their successes and fame, they must have been pretty uncool at a certain point. No matter what kind of successes they have, we get our guests to dish out all the awkward moments that led them to where they are now. Some are even putting the cool in uncool jobs. So let's go talk to the uncools. Well, Sean, before you know it, we have reached the final episode of this season of the Freelance Creative Exchange, The Uncool. Thank you to you as well as our audience for joining us for all 10 episodes. And thank you for having me. But, you know, I'm going to hand back the Freelance Creative Exchange podcast back to you. Uh, and I'll catch you on the other side, you know, as the listener. I, I much prefer being the listener. <laughs> <laughs> no, our podcast room is always open to you, Sean. <laughs> I mean, just accept that invitation one day, ending. <laughs> then you're, you're going to regret it. <laughs> uh, but as you said, it's our last episode, so let's get to it. Who, uh, who did we speak to? We spoke to Jerry, uh, if Jerry Ho, and you know his name, his face may sound may, may seem familiar to you because he's been an actor for the last twenty years. That means he's been in many many shows, and he's also a collector of many many things. In fact, he brought many many things to our studio, uh, so, <laughs> and uh, he told us many many stories. So so let's get to it. So Jerry, I think a lot of our viewers here would recognize you for. Um, good about it. But you know, we've seen your face on TV quite a few times in shows and commercials. <laughs> but you know, when do you think you were the most cool and uncool? Oh, I don't know. Um, I think I'm very cool now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it all depends on the, on the, the the era you're talking about, right? When I was growing up, when I first went over to England when I was a kid. I think I was very much the foreigner trying very hard to, to fit in. Mm. So, so and, and in the 70s and 80s, it was a booming culture. So you try very hard to, to absorb, you know, the fashion, the style, you know, and so on and so on. And, and I find that in some ways, I was like a fish out of water, trying so hard to blend, but not quite making it. But the period when I was, um, um, my first three or four years in England, I, I think looking back, I was very uncool because I was trying so hard to adapt, to fit in, and um, I was doing everything possible to, to stand out. And I stood out in all the wrong ways. Like I had red flaming hair. Oh I don't know why I keep saying red, but red jacket, you know, which, which, which bed that comes right to your ears, your spotted color. black ones. Uh, it, that, that period, yeah, and then pinkle, uh, winkle, pinkle shoes, I think I called it, very sharp ones, you yeah, know, yeah, and yeah. I was strutting around. I even bought um, a gold pendant shape of the the, 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 the inverted, sorry, what's it called? The, the, the star thing, star, the, um, star, star of David, yeah. yeah. Which is, you know, why am I wearing that, you know? Um, just because I thought it's cool. But looking back, I was most uncool, you know? This Chinese guy with a tan, I look as brown as um, an Arab, you know, with, with slanty eyes. And, um, and just going, hey, how are you doing, Mike? And um, I remember there was one point we would do a lot of um, sunbathing. And because of the healthy thing going on, you know, all these John and physical, you know, all these records oh. about not looking tanned and healthy and all that. So there was this Chinese guy, Chinese looking guy, you know, with a brown tan, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I was in art school. So, you know, all the fashions I'd be wearing, big shoulder pads, you know, I had red jacket with black spots. <laughs> <laughs> and then jeans, and then the shoes, they were like black and pointy. You could kick 
something and you, you get them to die. <laughs> yeah. They kill um, pets. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so it went through that period when I, I thought I was cool, but not at all. And looking back, you know, it's kind of like cringe. <laughs> well, what is it like though when to grow up in the in London? I was with an art school, so quite a lot happening. In fact, Middlesex Polytechnic, um, Hornsey, what the School of Art was, where I was. There were quite a, a lot of Asians at the time when I was there. Um, so, and quite a lot of international students. I, 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 got, I got over there when um, part of the Commonwealth, so I, I kind of had the benefit of free education. Mm-hmm. for a period of time. And then, of course, the British government realised that they could make a lot of money from overseas students. <laughs> so the fees were slapped in, but, but that was getting to the end of my course. Oh. So, yeah. Alright, so you want to know how old Jerry is, you just need to find out when this policy was implemented and he worked backwards on that. <laughs> this is when I say shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but... But yeah, but went over a period of time. So, <laughs> so, so, what was it like in graphic design school then for you? Oh, okay. Well, you see, the thing is, um, the way that the culture is such, the way they teach education system is very relaxed. And um, in college, you know, you, you could the, the teacher could be offering you a cigarette, <laughs> and you could be asking a light. And if, I mean, you know, come from from Asia and our kind of polite sensi- sensibilities, I remember saying to the, to the lecturer. Um, may I go to the toilet? <laughs> and they're going, you want to know the way? It's over there. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and to them it's like, what the heck? <laughs> you know, where do you come from? You know? um, the, educators, the, the education system is such where it's very relaxed and they, they really rely on you doing your own thing. Mm. And that was at a period where um, all the Sandy show, uh, you know, I believe all the pop stars were, came, kind of like went through art school in, in that period. Yeah. So it was a very um, hyped up, trendy place. Like, you know, it was mm. quite by accident. I didn't realize I would end up being in that college. And, and so there were quite a lot of things happening. We went for students' marches, and I was like, you know, supporting all kinds of stuff that I didn't really have much of an idea about, you know, like, like <laughs> anti-abortion bill. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I see friends on the road, come on, come on. And they say, why are you doing this? I'm going, what's the thing to do, right? My <laughs> friend asked me to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, um, looking back though, I would say that it was a very nice, exciting period to be in. But I did a lot of rather embarrassing things. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but always at that point of time, right? You're like, oh, I'm so hip. I'm so cool. I was really, you know, what a lot of people would probably want to be <laughs> or imagine to be. But no, yeah. Maybe no, my, my hair was big and huge. Big goggles, you know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just the collective girls. Yeah, and then you had, I had this huge. F- okay, because we're talking about late seventies, bell bottoms. Oh. Was, you know, we got road sweepers. Like yeah. you, you walk and then they sweep the floor because they're huge. Even <laughs> jeans are huge. Yeah, you yeah. You know the, the flares. Mm. So you you think that you know I'm so cool. You know, you take a picture there, you know, and, and then you look back. Yeah, in fact, in the 80s or 90s, I believe, I was working in a design company mm. and they had a party and they were saying, show us a picture of your most uh, embarrassing fashion. fashion. <laughs> oh, those so, were the days. And so yeah. What do you think now about the way graphic design is trained and the new breed of you know, graphic designers that are coming out with uh, going to you know, advertising and so well, and art directing and so on? Because of, of the internet, um, I think the world has changed very fast, you know, I mean, we have to keep up with it. Now you're using all kinds of softwares. You know, at the click of the button, you can transform a whole 
what what could be an ordinary drawing to become to look like you know different different art forms or or different artist impression so um time therefore has been saved and um i think it's necessary to move on in terms of design uh but from the point of view so i came from the classic the old school where things are drawn by hand in fact when i was training we had to even draw type you know um which was very tedious and you asked me you know what the point was to was maybe you, you treat yourself to become very skilled in how you handle forms and you're excited and, oh no, oh my art, god, I, I did that in design. Polytechnic. And it was also, you course. Drew, drew type? Yeah, I drew type. And then and we had to do a 3D one. And then ah. after that, uh, you look at type at a, in, yeah. from a whole so different angle. Now you angle. click a button, you can, you can have a, a, a letter T, also yeah. the T, and you can see all around it from top and bottom, and different different ways you can put patterns yeah. into it and colors. Yeah, so it's come a long way. I wouldn't say it's good or bad. I would think it's good actually because it's more progressive. Mm. And and the world needs that now, mm. you know. Um, at the click of a button, so anybody can actually know the the technical way of doing things. Up, but you still have to develop an eye for design, right? You still have to have that. And that cannot that be talent. talent. That also cannot be learned. I don't think you you need to be exposed to an environment where 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 you're encouraged to notice things, look at things. It has to be nurtured. Yeah, you can't learn it in a way. And uh, I guess London did that for you. Well, I was really quite design oriented, lah. But I think um, uh, being in Europe, it kind of opened your your horizon, you know, and you mm. start to appreciate things things a bit more. Not just in in design, but I mean your lifestyle, your view towards politics, your view towards art and other design, and um, in in my case, I developed an interest in in art and design and also I was really into the performing arts uh, sorry r- watching films mm. or the independent cinemas and the indie movies and at a period I was thinking and this is what happened to me I guess I was I would look at the film and go nah, I could do better arrogant right so um, um, the idea of cor- reconnected with my Asian roots was was there la. and I thought after so many years however you feel about living there in a foreign country, you're still a foreigner. So I came back to rediscover my Asian roots la, and brought back, um, I was an art director when I came back. Mm. So I felt in some ways I was bringing back what I've learned. And because of my interest in um, movies, mm-hmm. when I first got back here, um, MediaCorp, so I think they were called SBC. Oh, They were yes. launching an English language um, station. Mm. So so I got interested in, in, in acting and they kind of encouraged me as well. Okay, I took part in this um, competition called Fame Awards. I was still advertising, I was, I was still art directing and publishing and um, they, they had an English language version of Star Search. Mm. So they're looking for talent and it was broken into, into four parts, acting, comedy, um, singing and hosting. And because of my my accent was my accent was very very English at the time and came back and then they couldn't understand me half the time. So let's put Jerry in the hosting. Oh wait wait wait! One of my friends saw an advertisement for looking for for people to take part in the competition, uh-huh. and she is American Chinese. So she said, hey, "Come along with me." So I okay like kept her company, but unfortunately she didn't get in, <laughs> and they spotted me, <laughs> and so they asked me to take part. Um, but then as soon as they realized that I was talking like that. No, so not like that, but, but in, in a in kind of more atas way, I guess. <laughs> they put me in the hosting. Uh, 
<laughs> you see, because at the time Masters of the Sea was done and it wasn't very well received, it was too to atas probably like, you mm. know, it didn't re- didn't kind of resonate with the local audience. And then Under One Roof became very popular. Mm. So oh, yeah. they wanted the, the local just said Nick thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um so they naturally thought that my accent wouldn't um, help me in, in the acting side. I tell you what, why don't you speak to me in English? Can, you can speak you to me in Singlish and I'll answer you back in, in, in um Singlish. Uh, or in, in a different some, in a different way. Yeah. Speak to you in Singlish. Oh I <laughs> uh, so, uh, what do you eat? You can't take the UK out of Jerry. <laughs> yeah, that was the booze. Oh, that's not Cockney. That's um, probably Midland. <laughs> okay. Scottish? S- Scottish, I don't know quite well actually. You know, I would hate to do us. I would hate to do a Scottish because they get very upset if you do it wrong. <laughs> I mean, one white my friend, friends, and she's, um, I think she could be from Hong Kong, Chinese, but she lived and grew up in England. Um, and then she went to Scotland for a bit of time and she liked Scotland, so she calls herself Scottish. And when she gets drunk, all the Scottish accent comes out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that must be a fun night. So they put me under hosting. And unfortunately, I didn't do, do very well because, you see, I, I'm better now. But at the time, I would do anything but avoid the camera. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm, and when you're hosting, you need to look at the camera because yeah. you're talking to your audience at home. So I, I flung with flying colours. And uh, then it put me back to acting. <laughs> and but you're still for the camera. Well, I still don't know because when you're hosting, you're actually addressing your audience, right? So um, unless you're breaking the fifth wall, is that what you call it? The fourth wall. <laughs> that must have been quite a challenge, right? I mean, you were yeah. at least fifth, like, almost no, 20 no, years. No, no, no. <laughs> we had many, many years in the UK and then in, in London and then just to, you know. Then you just had to come back, right? It was, Pick. yeah, um, I was very much like a cat. Well, I was a fish out of water, but but thinking back, you know, my life has been always like that, like you know, bit of a rolling stone, you know, in the UK, but not quite fitting because I, you know, I mean, I was like when you're a foreigner, you 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 maybe view as oh exotic or unusual, mm. but you f- know that you're not there, you know. So after so many years, I still felt nice to be reconnecting with the roots. But when I came back, I'm to more. No. <laughs> <laughs> but this is one thing, right? I had an ex-colleague as well, and then this is where uh, I guess we we are a little bit whitewashed here. So we have this kind of like white superiority kind of thing. She had the opportunity to go there just for a few months to study. I mean, by that point of time, she had been working for quite a long time, so it was a sabbatical for her. Mm. And um, she went over there for a few months, and she was like, "What the heck?" <laughs> Um, like the the wait, what? the standards of? of everything basically everything that they did and she realized like why we yeah. I, I won't say <laughs> we should look down on them but why are we you know look looking up, up yeah. and then feeling that we are yeah. inferior See, uh, I mean I, I, I understand weird. what you're saying because uh, I've been to pictures. Uh, of course, not in, in in different pictures from you, of course. But the the but there is this idea that if I wanted to look uh, do a very good pitch, I'll be increase my chances of winning the pitch. Bring a foreigner along, no, a white one, yeah, a white one, <laughs> a white. I'm I'm not 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 trying to cast aspersions here. <laughs> I'm not trying to be disparaging, but but there's just this hung up mentality that okay, because about a white guy, 
uh, I'm, I'm, no, I'm going to be a lot more successful than this pitch. Yeah, and I mean, like we sort of knew the game and sort of played along with it mm. as well. For, for, I mean, that was that was the game. Yeah. Th- interesting question because in advertising, uh, okay, maybe we're getting better now, mm. but there was a period where, maybe moving into sensitive topics, where um, most foreigners, white um, uh, people, were the ones given the opportunities to be creative directors and all mm-hmm. that and clients would let the these people uh, these, these uh, foreigners um, uh, get away with a lot of um, instructions you know whereas if it's a local or Asian art director creative director they might give them a bit more assistance and not only that um, I was teaching speech and drama at one point and um, we were told by the, the head of departments that they value native speakers and native meaning Caucasian because you uh, speak the native tongue. No, I, I, I mean, uh, sorry, I, I, it's so too sensitive. <laughs> but I mean, it's something that we could learn from and 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 mature from and yeah. grow from. Changes with time, you know. I, I think it's really commendable because I mean, and I mean, really, it's great because you most of these twenty years you haven't had the benefit of you know having a big vehicle of a of, of, a station of an agency or station to back you up mm. and manage all all your 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 schedules and and whatnot. So is this admiration or um, pity? Uh, I, it's, it's not. I think it's. I think it's it's it's, it's great because uh, mo- quite hard. It is definitely has been hard, and you've yeah. definitely been been keep been still at it. Absolutely. Okay. So that's yeah. how I got into it. How I lasted twenty years. Oh my God! I think it's called perseverance. <laughs> well, See, I, I think I was quite lucky in a sense uh, when I first got into acting. They were starting this um, this foray into in, in, foray this this uh, thing. They were getting in, getting interested in in doing an English language program. So there were lots of shows being written, mm. and there were not that many actors around. Mm. So I was given a lot of opportunities, and and then being from that part of the world where we were a bit more open and less conservative. Being the UK, I mean. Being in UK, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I have no problems with doing intimate scenes or, or, or kissing scenes, for example, although it's TV and you can't do much anyway. Um, there were some actors who wouldn't do certain things. Uh. So like, oh, hi, you want me to kiss this one? Oh, get Jerry. <laughs> get Jerry. When I came back, I was actually a, a graphic designer, right, an art director, um, you know, advertising company yeah. and publishing uh, houses. But um, I was in a gym and the guy who was doing the reception is a makeup artist. And he also, uh, because of his profession, he's quite outrageous, you know? So he does drag sometimes. Mm. So he was involved in a movie at the time called Boogie Street. Oh, yeah. And the um, director is, is um, Hong Kong, from Hong Kong and quite um, amogad, I would say, right? So, um, so Grego um, is the, the, the makeup artist. So he was saying to me, I'm going to be in a film, I'm playing this drag queen from you know, Boogie Street area, and I'm looking for a, a, a boyfriend for the film. Um, why don't you have audition? You know, so I actually they arranged for the director and the people, the, the, the people who hold decisions in, in casting was there. And I think it was one of the hotels in town. So it was a basement room and, and the first time I auditioned again. So I went to this, this room, it's actually like kind of um, a banquet hall, like, you know. Okay. You know, and they, they were opened up and have wedding dinners, but the, quite dim. And there was a spotlight on actually, and there's a hot seat, and you have the director, cinematographer, and, and the main lead actress from Vietnam, I think. And um, and so they were trying to, to tell me, Jerry J, um, 
we know you're not very experienced, but we would like you to audition for us. Can you do this? Um, look in the camera and um, imagine the camera as your girlfriend. How would you turn her on? This is always good. <laughs> and the reaction I got was like silence. And I thought, oh, they like it. You know? And then he said, okay, okay, we're sorry. Uh, let's try something else. Look in the camera, imagine your girlfriend, make love. To her. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> you could hear a pin drop, you know. Someone's going, ooh. Great branding, Jerry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm the guy from the UK who will kiss anyone. I don't care. <laughs> so there was, a, there was a program and it was talking about kinky sex. <laughs> so, okay, Jerry. Okay, fine. Eh. And, then, and then there was another pro program which um, on, on hindsight, you know, I, I, well, actually I felt very apprehensive because I was teaching um, speech and drama already mm -hmm. in schools for extracurriculum um, section and you didn't make kids. So there was a role for one of the series and, they, uh, and I was supposed to be a, a stepfather who molested his stepdaughter. Oh. So, so I was thinking, um, maybe not a good idea, you know, because kids' parents, they might see yeah, me on TV yeah. and go, ah, you know. Yeah. I did anyway, and I didn't have because I talked to the um, the, the school, the, the theatre company was employing me, and said it's mm. fine. You know, people should be able to differentiate what's yeah, real and what's actor. not. <laughs> yeah, um, so so I did it, but I went through that period, and thank God there were a lot, lot of lots of other roles that um, made me develop other sides mm. of, of my acting career. So I started to play lawyers and doctors, and that became my stereotype. Was there a moment in the in those years where you, you know? You, you thought, okay, I'm never going to live this down. I'm finished with my career. Um, and and then, then, then you made that uncool moment so cool. <laughs> oh, you mean uh, in terms of acting? Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just glad to be given jobs. You know, and, and uh, unfortunately, sometimes I get typecasted. Because of my image, I get to play doctor, yeah. lawyer, mm. faithful husband and terrific boss and all that. And, and, uh, and then I wanted to go back to the, give me a villain, a villain role, please. You know, yeah. I would like to be... You know, somebody horrible, wife beater, alcoholic, you know, whatever. And, a more challenging role. It's a bit, yeah. it, I thought it's yeah. a bit different. It's a bit interesting though, because many, I mean, many actors, we know, they all come from drama school background. I got, especially now, I got a degree in acting and so on. You came from graphic design background. <laughs> how, how, how is a graphic design background been, have you ever used it? Have you, have you found anything oh. relevant when you come to acting? Well, not, not in acting, but the crossover period, um, I would be doing, um, because of the, the art direction background, I would be doing set design. Mm. So there was a um, series called Alter Asians. I think it was one of the first ones that were being commissioned or outsourced for Art Central. So, uh, so I was, um, it was Tenjin, who, uh, TJ, who asked me to help with the art production, mm. art, art direction. And, um, and he also gave me a role. Uh. So it came to a point of saying, you know, because not many art directors around at the time. You want me to art direct for you? Give me a role to do it. I, I did the art direction for uh, Say Hi Pupin, uh -huh. the Jack News, I'm not, I'm, not I'm not stupid. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't have time to do anything else other than just art direct. Mm -hmm. So comes the second one, I'm not stupid too. I said, I'm not art directing for you anymore. Give me a role. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's become a contra. <laughs> yeah, but they didn't give it to me because of that. I mean, yeah. they, I, I was asked to do, um, I paid Jack's um, boss, uh, and, yeah. and I'm not yeah. stupid, yeah. So in, in, are all these 
I guess shaped your aesthetic. I mean, graphic design all helped you in your aesthetic, and it also you amassed quite a large collection, as we can of tell, art, of 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 art in your house, of your of your watches, which you bought some today. And so, for those of you who are listening and not watching us on YouTube, we we changed the setup with the help of Jerry's collection of swatches. <laughs> Maybe okay, swatch Even watches. How many do you own? I. The, I think around seventy or so, but oh, I've, I have friends who have a hundred swatches. You know, wow. I mean, there was one, there was one girl I know at the moment. Um, I, I wanted her to 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 come with me with her swatches and my swatches to go into a swatch shop and change batteries. I mean, we have to close the place down for a week. How <laughs> uh, <laughs> many hands do you have? You need seventy watches because they were at the time. You know, one of those things that you can buy, wear. You know, don't like throw, get a new one because they are quite. Reasonable in price, and and being Swiss made, I think they were, they are, um, they're quite they're quite hardy. They don't kind of like like break down. So and the designs are really quite innovative. I, I thought you know mm. it appealed to my sense of fun. And um, you know you could wear one watch because it's, it's fairly cheap. You know in England it was like um, quite 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 cheap lah. You know over here they're hundred bucks each. Over there it's like maybe. Eighty pounds. I I don't know. It's, I can't, mm. can't remember. So I was like wearing one for every shirt, <laughs> and the designs are so so charming and cute and vibrant and young. I guess. Yeah. So I carried that right through my my later on in my life. You know, um, and that when when swatches were became coming a bit more sophisticated, the designs are a little bit more um, pleasant and more refined. Mm. Um, I still collected them, and then the chrono ones are a bit more sporty. Mm. I like them because of design lah. Um, they're really fun, you know. Some of them are really cute. You would, Some of them cartoon are amazing, ones. yeah. Just, yeah. And so you can you imagine there's a like, talk of the town, you know, you wear them, you go, oh, look, oh, look. <laughs> so what's the kind of design that that appeals to you that says, okay, Jerry, you have to take me home? Unusual ones lah. You know, usually the colourful ones. I, I went through a phase that I, I went for all the, I would like buy the whole set of cartoon designs, <gasps> oh you know, and, and oh, right. I have. The shop must be happy to see you coming in. Oh, that's the guys five well no in England um, swatches were very um, very popular and very ordinary oh. and um, so nobody would stop like say, oh they wouldn't say you again it's like please you know <laughs> so like help yourself yeah yeah and you just like walk past pick one and that's it you know and yeah it's like not exactly disposable but it's so it, you just buy don't like you know, throw yeah but except that I keep them because because they're cute yeah and a bit of hoarder lah. What <laughs> other things do you collect? Oh, um, I, I'm now into cast iron teapots. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Like, that is so specific. Cast iron teapots. Yeah, they've got to be kind of like metal and heavy and stuff. And when I, lo- I, I love to drink tea. Mm. And uh, when friends come to visit and I'll say, have some tea. And then I have tea bags. Yeah. <laughs> I don't use the teapots because they're for sure. <laughs> and they all laugh at me, but yeah, yeah. I put them in the glass case. Unusual ones are not necessarily antiques. Antiques are very, very ex- rare. Co- well, and also quite costly, lah. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> show me all your boxes. I actually want to see your copper teapots. <gasps> I'm like, oh, okay. It just, yeah, sounds, it just sounds so like what? Just, what? I want just to don't see expect that. to drink tea from it. You know? <laughs> no, definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure, actually. It's a good idea, you know. Don't they rust? <laughs> I was at in Taipei recently. What, two years ago? I mean, we haven't been travelling for last year. 
and and there was this um, exhibition going on um, art and craft arts and craft exhibition and there were some antique teapots and new ones like I mean the antique ones you can see once you pick it up you can see the rust underneath and yeah. the condition of it but they're really very beautifully re- wow. done you know a very fine kind of a design and they're only like ten thousand <laughs> ten thousand dollars and go oh, all right okay, only ten thousand dollars yeah so I'm into teapots at the moment <laughs> I also collect timepieces um, the the ones which are not what well, I have to think about clocks and watches, right? They um, it comes with a, a glass case, and um, you know you can see all the mechanisms. Oh yes. And then you have fish or birds, you know, either flapping or or or, or swimming, and they go tick 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 tick, and they move around. Um, of course, I don't use them lah. <laughs> so I put them in the glass cases. Yeah, they're there. I can't imagine right house will look like junk. My house is junk. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, you you speak very passionately about design and for an aesthetic, and you must have a very uh, keen sense of aesthetic. So, how will you describe? Well, not when it comes to fashion, though. <laughs> not when it comes to fashion. It translates what, to your fashion. No, I, I think um, in some ways, um, minimal is the thing, right? I mean, in the past, I would like oh because growing up in England where you are really encouraged to be individual. Yeah. So we would match a. Biblos jackets, you know, with um, you know, a pair of jeans, for example. I mean, when I first came back, um, I couldn't understand why everybody was so precise about you could wear Prada top to bottom, Prada all the way down. You oh, know? Right. And and for me, it was mix and match. Mm. So so my feeling about design is more eclectic. I think more into unusual, and. Um, so when it comes to fashion, I kind of take a back seat because you know all those stylists who are very um, professional and very with it you know, on the on the game on the ball mm-hmm. and you know what's happening around the world. Mm-hmm. They would tell you what's right, what's wrong, you know, according to them. So um, you still do a lot of art direction and stuff. Right? No, no, no more now actually. I think I've kind of like been over, um, superseded. All these new kids <laughs> and, and and their um, uh, computer savviness, mm-hmm. they're like like miles ahead. So now I, they I mean. You know, I would look at something and, and go. You know, sometimes you you see a record cover or or a poster, and the the, the words they blend into the background. They don't even stand out. I mean, these these are like logical, right? I mean, you want your headline to be red, so why use a color that that doesn't stand out and stuff like that? Mm. So I still feel in some ways, um, the young designers are not really appreciating. You know the the old classic ways of 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 dealing with design and what is it for? <laughs> or have an eye for for what works and what doesn't work. What is that? What is aesthetic and and it's a talent, like I, I believe, and and a skill that you need to to build, nurture, not from just you know clicking onto a, a website course and you know. Maybe in the past, you know, it had really had to go through that chain of command, and then everything had to be approved you had that head designer or the art director who would do that and then now you have a lot of you know the smaller maybe um, you know a lot of freelancers out there I'm not dissing the freelancers but they have more uh, they have more autonomy right now right and then the they have more chances to display their work and okay because of more platforms right yeah there are more platforms and then um you know, even right now, we look back at our work five years ago, ten years ago, and we're like, oh, shit, why did I do that? I, I think it's, it's important if, if someone um, wants to stay long in this industry as an actor, 
uh, is to actually, if, if as much as possible for training courses, constantly hone your craft. You know, there are courses where um, maybe online or when you hear of, there are some um, qualified actors and, and voice coaches who sometimes travel when you hear of it enroll in a course if you can, or maybe go abroad and take up a, a, prof a professional course. Just hold on to your skills. Uh. Be modest and humble and work hard. If you get spotted by a TV station, fantastic, you know, you're one of the lucky ones. You, there are agents around that we can also um, seek help from. Uh. But I do think don't get into politics, don't get into all kinds of um, unnecessary idle gossip, for example, and just concentrate on your work. Because in our industry, there is a lot of, because you're an actor, you're very visible, um, you can invite a lot of um, unnecessary um, attention, attention, gossip and so on. And if you partake in it, it doesn't help you. Mm. So I, I think it's a good thing to, to stay cool, stay humble mm. and work hard. When do you think you were the most uncool, the most? And what oh. would you say to yourself? If you had the chance to. But the period when I was, um, um, my first three or four years in England, what do I say to myself then? Don't try so hard. <laughs> so, Jerry, for our listeners who may want to follow you and your work, uh, where can they find you on social media and what your handles? Oh, uh, okay. Well, I'm not very active on Instagram. I'm just doing it because you have to do it, I guess. Um, um, I'm more on Facebook, actually. Okay. So there's a Facebook fan page I have. Um, just Jerry Ho, and um, um, that's my Facebook as well, which is, to me is more in interactive. Mind you, most of the people who are friends on my Facebook are really friends or people I actually have association with, either through work or through personal contacts. And we, to me, Facebook is a very interesting way of, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of interaction going on. Mm. So um, other than that, um, Instagram, I guess. Thank you for tuning in to The Uncool. Catch all our episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Our new episode of the Freelance Creative Exchange will be coming out soon.